This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. <laughs> Art is the great communicator. And it is my firm belief that artists are a gateway to a deeper truth about the human condition. Valeria Tellis interviews Alex Rudin, a multimedia artist and illustrator, founder of Rudin Studios and speaker. Alex Rudin is an NYC-based multimedia artist and illustrator focused on social justice and abstract political theory. In 2019, she founded her creative studio, Rudin Studios, LLC, Alex's artwork is narratively focused with a strong emphasis on expressive portraiture. The majority of her work attempts to comment on the complexities of the human experience through stylized portraiture and anecdotal commentary. Alex's focus lies in uncovering and expressing the truths of what it is like to live in modern America. She is currently focused on creating work to galvanize action around social and political issues. This year, Alex has partnered with organizations such as Women for Biden-Harris 2020, Women for the Win, Friends Vote Together, and Her Bold Move, among numerous other female-led political organizations, in addition to working in the human rights space with organizations such as Article3.org, The Representation Project, and the Sam Endeavora Foundation for Trans Youth. Rudin's work has been featured in publications such as Grit Daily, the Female Lead, Yahoo, and US Today, to name a few. Alex's fine artwork has been shown in both solo and group expositions in New York City, Great Neck, Delaware, Philadelphia, and the Hamptons. Meet Alex at rudinstudios.com and alexrudin.com. Here's the interview with Alex Rudin. In your own words, who is Alex Rodin? I am a activist artist that focuses on social justice, um, progressive movements, and healing through artwork, whether it be mental health, eating disorders, or just everyday struggles. I really try to represent human emotion through portraiture and anecdotal commentary and attempt to hit a viewer in a place that kind of knocks them out of their everyday to everyday moments to to focus on these deep emotions and the ineffable qualities of art and viewing it. 
It's really wonderful what you do. So before I ask you more questions about it, talk to me about the inspiration to do what you do today. Well, I've always been a very emotional person and I've also always been a very creative person. And I think that these two things were bound to come together at some point in my life. I think also that I have had incredible creative inspirations and support within my family throughout my life. You know, my grandfather was an illustrator. My mother's a designer. Um, my uncle is in the arts. My father's a build, he builds things. And um, so just being around that my entire life really was impactful and towards my creative abilities and also interests. And then on top of that, you know, I struggled with various, you know, issues growing up, such as an eating disorder and mental health issues and depression and anxiety. And I think that something that was a very natural outlet was for me to start making work about my own, my own mental processes and help heal myself through the work that I do. How do you describe this healing process in relationship when it comes to art, painting, illustrations, doing what you do? Yeah, I think that for me, there are kind of two directions. You know, yeah. I, I find great comfort and support when I'm in the studio myself, when I'm actually making the work. I find that incredibly therapeutic itself. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I always said that the studio is kind of the only place mm -hmm. I feel like the shackles of my eating disorder or my struggles fall by the wayside. And I feel truly free in my ability to express myself or create what, what comes from the heart. And then mm -hmm. I think yeah. another aspect of that is the really healing power of making the invisible visible. Mm, and that is yeah. something I feel like really translates well into making work about mental health because that's something that's so such an issue with mental health is that people stigmatize it or don't understand yeah. it because yeah. you can't see it. And right, right. I think that when people, or at least for me, I can talk about myself, but when I objectify my feelings and almost place value in terms of like make them an object almost, right. I'm able to better understand it, analyze it, work through it because it doesn't hold the same power anymore. It becomes mm -hmm. something, you know? How do you define mental health, Alex? From your perspective, What does it look like to be mentally healthy? I think for me, mentally health, mental health is an ongoing process towards growth and self-actualization and realization. I think that it's very hard to, you know, take a snapshot of some snapshot of somebody and, you know, in one moment in time and say that is mental health, mm, you know, right. I think that it's a process and right. it's a journey. And as long as the end goal is, To better yourself and grow, yeah. then that to me is is the effort to consistently work on your mental health. Do you see that as a destination in a way? Let's say one day we'll get to a point where we are perfectly healthy in every way, maybe not physically, but emotionally, psychologically, mentally, and even spiritually. And do you connect that spirituality to this level of self-understanding and realization? Yeah, I think that I don't I don't necessarily believe that there is an end goal. I think right. that, you know, life is so much more than this journey on this one 
particular earth, you know, this one, right. <laughs> these yeah. dimensions that we live in. Yeah. I think there's so much more to our experience than that, that we're not consciously aware of. So mm-hmm. I think that as long as you're continuously trying to better yourself, I don't think there's any end in sight, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. that, you know, I also don't, I yeah. personally don't love, I don't like to buy into the idea of perfection as right. something attainable mm-hmm. or should that you should be working towards because I think that in general, your idea of perfection is most likely somebody else's idea of perfection. Oh, yeah, All right. And, and that is yeah. not something that's good for your soul or your journey in the long run. Mm, yeah. yeah. Perfection destinations are words that I, I don't use <laughs> for sure. I do use unconditional love or unconditional, let's say anything, unconditional living existence. What do you think about that? Is that something that is realistic even to pursue as a practice, unconditional love or unconditional living? Yeah, I think that I think that everything that's a personal journey is something worth pursuing. You know, I yeah. think that I don't generally like to prescribe or kind of proselytize my ideologies towards other people. Mm, yeah. But I think that the idea of being unconditional has a lot to do with being empathetic and putting yourself in somebody else's shoes or simply caring. And I think that that is a goal that everybody should be working on. And, you know, for me, the the opposite of empathy is apathy. And I believe that apathy is almost one of the worst things that you can have, whether it's towards yourself or other people. And so to go in maybe the direct opposite of apathy would be empathy and unconditional love and kind of that idea that, you know, I always say that I really look forward to living into living in a world where people reach out their hand to help their neighbor rather than point at them and and Mm. say something that makes them different or other them. And I think that that has to do with unconditional love as well. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It is the idea of non-judgment. So we just navigate this reality coming from a peaceful place, I would say, of inner peace where it's okay for everything to be exactly the way they are. It has to start with us, though. And that's something that I write about and I talk about, unconditional self-love. Because if, if we don't do the work within ourselves, then it's impossible even to project that reality out there. What is your understanding of self-love as of today, Alex? Well, I've had a long journey with self-love, I would say. Um, As I mentioned earlier, I struggled most of my life with an eating disorder. And with that comes challenges when it comes to uh, self-love and, um, you know, acceptance, whether it's uh, acceptance for your, you know, the struggle that you're going through or just your body in general. And I think that going through recovery, you know, I've, I've been in the world of, you know, you say recovery for, um, six years, I would say. And it is still an incredible challenge. And it's something that I find great difficulty in, but I think that I have learned through my work in another way that, you know, my work has been healing towards to me is helping me understand that my value doesn't come from, my body in itself, but I, I gain confidence in my work and, and the messages that I, you know, send through my work and, and the, the how, what the viewers get from my work. And that has helped me gain confidence and in turn, you know, helped me love myself a lot more without placing 
a ton of, you know, weight, no pun intended, on my body. It's been a journey for sure. And I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to continue it. There's no question for me that my journey is going to be long. Um, but as we talked about early, earlier, you know, there's no, there's no end for that either. It's really honorable and beautiful, this openness, just being open to it all, however it is happening. So that's what I see in you, just being open to the journey, if it is one. But that's beautiful. I'm sorry. I was going to say that I think that um, for me, it's something that I've learned about uh, called radical acceptance, that idea that, you know, you have to accept what is, you know, reality and what is happening and move on and digest it and be able to just accept that. And I think that that is a super instrumental piece of self-love and learning how to accept the world around you. And I think that that radical acceptance has been something that's been really intrinsic into me, like making work about this stuff for sure that, you know, this is true, Mm. but I may have all these feelings about it, but I can get those out and make something positive and helpful for others out of this. Accepting the unacceptable. You do talk about, you use the word resistance in one of your paintings or illustrations. Respect my existence or expect my resistance. So talk to me for a moment about that, that kind of resistance. Well, I think that for me, it's important to note that that piece itself was made um, in reference to um, the Black Lives Matter protests yeah. this summer. Yeah. So they were not as mentally health skewed, but it was actually a quote that was that was on a sign at the protest that I thought was really, really impactful. I think that that piece in itself was a reaction. You know, I've been doing a lot of social justice work, as I said, yeah. um, and this was kind of the beginning of that. And, you know, prior to that, I had been making really only work about mental health. So I think that this piece is, aids in the synthesis of the two about, um, you know, social justice is also about emotions and about fairness Mm, and equality and love. Yeah. Yeah. I think that piece gave me the opportunity to kind of, uh, address both things, but also stay very true and respectful to the, the, the movement and what the movement was trying to achieve by not inserting my own narrative into the piece. Wow, that's another topic in itself. The idea of the reality, the way it is now and with the Black Lives Matter. And then you have the need to create some sort of, uh, not resistance, but it's a standing for, for what we believe in, what matters, right? What is true to us. And I think that's very, very important. But then it's interesting, like if we are able to hold both, still not resist within, come from a place of inner peace, and at the same time, do what we have to do, see what the options we have to change the reality for a more peaceful one, then it's valid. It's beautiful too. Why not, since we're here? Absolutely. There's another one that relates to that is, the, um, I think, Martin Luther King. That's the one, that, another illustration. Yeah. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. So that kind of sums up that in a way. Beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's go back to the um, healing topic in arts and healing, which everything's connected anyway. There's nothing Absolutely. disconnected. What are some of the misconceptions we have about healing and recovery, Alex, from your perspective? 
I think that something that is not understood enough is that healing is not a linear path. Not everybody has this, you know, there's no prescribed path for healing when it comes to mental health or personal growth. It's all subjective and it's about finding the best route for yourself. And we are so unique, right? And different. I was just saying that's the valuable part of all of us, you know, is that we are unique. So to cater to that is the most respectful thing to do for yourself. It's kind of um, so challenging for me to understand that perspective, a very judgmental perspective, the non-acceptance of what is different, because we see that in nature. Everything's so different, diverse and beautiful and perfect at the same time and imperfect at the same time. Do you try to understand that kind of mentality or way of thinking, or you just focus on what you do and how you do it and healing and positivity in art? I think that uh, on a personal level, I definitely think about that because, you know, I don't feel like I, I don't feel like I was in a necessarily, you know, I'm not talking about my family in particular, but yeah. in general, like nurturing environment when it comes to talking about your feelings yeah. or mental health, even in school, you know, I was lucky that I was able to get a therapist when I needed one at an early age. And I had parents that were very respectful and understanding about, you know, everybody's journey towards mental health. But I think that, can you repeat the question? (laughs) Because we hear a lot that it's important to focus on what we want and not the opposite. So yes, I'm wondering yes, if yes. you focus on that. Sorry, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think, sorry about that. I think that um, through my work, I find it really important to focus on positivity. Yeah. But I think that on a personal level, I think about why is it that people don't yeah. understand or why is it that people have such short fuses for people who are struggling or have no empathy um, or or sympathy, you know, simply for people who are going through issues. And I really feel like in most cases, the answer is lack of education. I think that children are not taught, one, how to deal with their feelings, that feelings are okay and acceptable and necessary, that um, people struggle and it's okay to struggle and it's okay to need help. Um, And I think that if students were taught about mindfulness in school and about these different variations within our mental health um, from a young age, then people would be much more accepting. I I think that when life, you know, judgment comes into play and people get older with, you know, lack of experience or ignorance or just not simply being around this type of uh, conversation, then that's what leads to um, misinformation and lack of uh, sympathy. I love when you say that, yeah, feeling the feelings, learning how to understand them. And I wonder when, what do you do, what is your advice, a suggestion when, how to deal with negative feelings, anger or frustration, shame? Talk to me for a moment about that, Alex. Yeah, well, for me, I create. Um, You know, I also think it's really important to sit and feel your feelings, Tolerating your emotions is key in understanding your emotions. And I think that being vulnerable in moments of discomfort or pain 
is like the greatest tool for transformation in itself. So, you know, growth happens in times of discomfort. So understanding that and recognizing that and um, embracing that will not only help you get past this moment, but grow and become better from it. And then, as I said, you know, I turn towards creativity to really flush out my emotions and expel what I'm feeling. So I, you know, I'm not going to say to everybody, pick up a paintbrush, but like to write poetry, write poetry. If you like to play the guitar, play the guitar, you know, any type of creative, creative expression will invariably help you and make you feel better. I really believe that. Yeah. Like you said before, it would be very helpful to start as children because then we are well equipped, right? To navigate our own feelings and be confident enough to be vulnerable because that is not something that it's easy to do for most of us. I love that component, though, that if we can learn to do that, just be vulnerable in a sense of just being true, isn't it? Being true to ourselves. I'm feeling this way and, and I'm courageous enough to talk about. Yeah. And that's the hardest part. Yeah. And I think that that's what people really struggle with is the idea of being vulnerable or not or being fallible almost, maybe not being this idea of perfect or strong, but I think that being vulnerable is actually that, is being strong. I agree a billion percent. <laughs> I absolutely love that. That's the end of shame, the end of conflict within. I mean, right. From my perspective, it has been. When you say tolerate your emotions, that can lead us to understanding them. That's an interesting phrase. I never heard it that way. Can you give me an example? Can you describe what it looks like to tolerate our own negative emotions? Yeah, I think that tolerating your emotions is, I actually think it's a very parallel experience to viewing art. So it's the idea of sitting in discomfort and allowing those feelings to just be there, to not push them away, Mm. to not distract yourself with something. So, you know, if I was feeling bad about a fight I had with my friend, you know, rather than turning to um, vices that I have or devices that I have, you know, yeah. getting distracted with technology, which is such an easy thing to do these days or distracting myself, you know, with thing with, uh, I'm not a drinker, but I can say for somebody else drinking, maybe yeah. that is not a productive way to deal with these feelings because they will, well, one, you never know if they can get amplified yeah. or if they can get subjugated because of them, because of these actions. So actually right. allowing yourself to sit in the moment and be uncomfortable and tolerate those feelings allows you to, one, gain familiarity with such feelings. And therefore, the next time it comes around, it will not be as difficult. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of an idea of um, exposure therapy. Yeah. So the more you feel it, the more, the less it impacts you. Right. So. I think that, toler- and it's it's easier said than done, tolerating your feelings is a really difficult thing to do. I think a normal reaction would be, how do I feel better? Yeah, but yes. But just implore maybe people who are listening to, yeah. instead of doing that, maybe sit in for five minutes and just mm-hmm. feel it. Don't mm-hmm. try and make it better. Just feel it. And I love what you said. Even if it is for five minutes, it doesn't have to be for too long, but stay there. Because, yeah, we have this urge, all of us, to just be better and make it better, just run from this moment to the next, not being present with what is present, which is to me life is all about. 
Yeah. And I think it's almost a little bit like if for people who are, you know, I'm, my father is a, is a, you know, a physician, he's a surgeon, Mm -hmm. very body minded and focused. So if there's someone listening, that's more like that. And if I were talking to my dad about something like this, I would say it's akin to stretching your muscles. They tell you to hold it there when it burns a little bit, you know, and that's when your muscles stretch further and that's when you get the results. So it's the same thing with emotions. You have to exercise your emotions and then stretch them. And tolerance and sitting in discomfort is that stretch. It's that burn. But next time, mm. it's not going to burn so much. Are emotions and feelings the same to you or they're somehow different? No, I don't think they're the same. Right. I think they're different. I think one is more innate than the other. I think... Right. Hmm. I don't necessarily know which one, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think that, no, I think that feelings are innate. I think that feelings are something that happens, you know, oh, you hurt my feelings. If my boyfriend says something mean to me or that hurts my feelings, maybe it's not mean, but hurts my feelings, (laughs) and I interpret it that way, then that's a gut reaction. You know, that is something that you can't control, but you can control how you deal with it. And I think that that is where the emotions come in, Mm. where you can say, oh, I'm going to react this way and have this emotion towards that comment. So I think one is intrinsic. I think one is a choice. That is so interesting the way you naturally kind of uh, talked about this, feelings and emotions, in a way that is very, from a psychological point of view, like professions that I have interviewed, that's exactly what they said. The feelings are just, that's very natural. That's how it's supposed to be. The body, it's designed to feel. Now, the interpretation of those feelings the labeling and all and the grasping, holding on to them and making something else that's called emotions. And we have all these names for it. So it's interesting that you said that too, without even... Well, I've been in therapy for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know when you are ready to write your book about these things. That'll be interesting. Art, creativity and emotional healing or feelings. I love that. Mommy, if you ever do, yeah, I would, I would love to know. I definitely would. That'll be fun. And I have an open question for you about the purpose of life. What do you think the purpose of the human experience is, Alex? Oh, I think the purpose, I mean, on some great, great level, I think there is no purpose and that's purpose enough. Um, That There's freedom in the openness and vastness and the possibility. But I personally, you know, ascribe to myself you know, I actually read today that Pablo Picasso quote that says um, the meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. Mm, yeah. Um, and I think that hits a few notes that I believe that, you know, you should spend your life connecting, doing good, making other people happy or, or better or more secure or comfortable. I think, you know, in civic engagement in a great, in a, in a, you know, for lack of a better term is, essential, you know, I think that it's important to leave this place a bit better than when you came here in Mm. your own way Mm. through me. That's through my work and the art and that I get to, you know, work with incredible organizations that impact real change uh, and enact real change. And I think that for me personally, my purpose is creativity, is making art, is contributing to aesthetic force in a way, which is an idea that a piece of art can hit a viewer 
in a certain way that shifts our critical awareness around a certain issue. So I want to change minds. I want to challenge people. I want people to sit in reflection and introspection and become something else because of my work. I love your wisdom and I love your intention. It's beautiful, everything, what you do, how you do it, the way you express yourself, the authenticity or just being natural, really. We use that word a lot, authenticity. I love the idea of being natural, (laughs) just being ourselves. Yeah, that's beautiful things. Just be yourself, like we said before. And that's that's the gift that you will add. You know, that's your purpose is being yourself. Yes, right, right. Beautifully said. Yeah, that's your purpose to be yourself. I love that. Wow. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Love, love, love. A thousand times. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's a tough one a lot of times. For me, has been creating boundaries, saying no, because I don't want to hurt people. That has been a challenge. For you, how do you deal with that? Like saying no, how easy is that for you? <laughs> How's uh, the easiest? <laughs> right. um, I really, um, I really care about pleasing other people, um, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to say that I don't. But I also know, I think I'm pretty good at prioritizing yeah. and making sure that I do what I need to do for myself, regardless. So I think that's something that I've set in place in my life is really only having people in my life that respect what I do and understand the limit, the limitations that I might have because of the line of work that I do or um, just my limitations or boundaries, if you will, as a person. Um, And I think I've crafted a really amazing, um, you know, family chosen and not chosen um, that understand that, I require X, Y, and Z as boundaries and I can provide X, Y, and Z as, you know, things in our relationship. So I think that setting those expectations in the beginning is a great way for me to help set boundaries. So you're very good at it. Yeah, um, <laughs> it sounds like it. I know. I do think when you did ask me, though, about saying no, I'm like, yeah. I, don't, I don't love to say no, but yeah. I think that people know who I am yeah. and don't push it. <laughs> mm, right, right. Wow. So you establish that uh, powerfully enough or empowering enough. So they respect that. So I'm wondering for people who have not done that, established, even they have issues doing that, establishing their own space so other people don't invade them. What would you suggest to them, people who are listening now? I'm one of them though. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I think one thing that you you have to know is is what you can give and what you can accept first. I think yeah. that knowing yeah. your own boundaries is the first is the first step in in setting them with other people. Um, so once you are aware and kind of can address those things for yourself, I think that you know, as I, I mentioned before, exposure therapy. I think that's simply setting them and setting the proper expectations for things is the best way to go. Um, You know, and of course, I don't ever recommend people being, you know, forceful or aggressive. I can't imagine it would ever be that way. Yeah, um, no, yeah. People who are listening, you know, the the improper way to set a boundary is to force it upon somebody. You want somebody to understand you, to want to give you that boundary because they know that it's best for them and for you and for your relationship. So I would say just approaching everything with softness and kindness Mm. and understanding that this is the best for everybody Mm. is 
is the best approach. It's not just a belief system, but it's the way I navigate this reality in the sense of yeah. being naturally kind and just not forcing things to happen or not happen. So right. yeah, that's helpful. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, nobody, nobody's going to under, nobody listens when they're being screamed at. Yeah, <laughs> true. Simple. So kindness is always the best way to get anything across. What do you love most about being a woman and what has been the greatest challenge for you? I feel really powerful as a woman. Um, That might be something ineffable or, or, you know, indescribable in some sense, but I feel a great sense of power. I feel an incredible sense of connectivity to the universe and our ability to, you know, know, procreate um, and, you know, really foster life within us. I think that that is something that is so magical. I don't know if there's any other word for me yeah. to use, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's transcendent. It's magical. I think that the, I think a lot of feminine energy, um, energies are, are beautiful qualities. Um, you know, and I think everybody's on a spectrum. I think the energies are a specific thing in themselves when you start gendering them. Yeah. But I think that, I, I feel a sense of community with women. I feel a safeness with women. I feel a, a kinship with women. And I think that that unspoken bond or connectivity is something that you will, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I will always have and will always be something that I can rely on. Mm-hmm. And I think that the biggest challenge being a woman, um, I would say personally, my biggest challenge and being in a, being in a female body is the pressures that are put upon women to look a certain way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I find I, my entire life I have been really, really um, impacted by societal pressures and um, the idea of uh, you know beauty, um, you know Westernized beauty and what it means to have the perfect body or to be desired or to have men like you or want you um, or be sexualized. And, you know, I think that sexual assault is, is a big part of that, something I also have experienced. And I think that the, uh, you know, the objectivity of a woman's body as something to either be conquered or, or um, commoditized yeah. or, or used, abused, yeah. um, changed. I think that that is something that has really impacted me. Like that idea that, the outside world, the outside male world can change our bodies, try and shape them a different way. So we are a different way. And I think that that is super damaging and super harmful for young girls and developing, developing girls and women, you know, throughout their lives. And I'm wondering if this is uh, getting any better. Do you see the change? The evolution of that? Yeah, I think so. I, I think it's getting better. Um, I have hope. I, I choose I choose to be positive and hopeful about everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I actually do think things are changing. I think it started with the body positive movement, which I personally have some, you know, some hangups with on, on my, my own. Um, and I think for, you know, a multitude of reasons, one of which is I think that it is so focused on positivity that it doesn't leave room for other emotions or feelings, which is really, um, essential. You know, you can't just accept the positivity without understanding the, the, the negative aspects of, of your emotions as well. Um, and then, uh, I think there's, there's a new movement called, um, the body neutrality movement, which I actually really ascribe to, um, that place attempts to place the importance, um, 
of one, you know, their worth on the body's achievements and accomplishments rather than the body itself. And I think that seeing that wave of body activism has been really important to me in my journey. Um, And then I also think, you know, on on a simple level, if you turn on the TV or you look in in ads, you see different people, you know, and that was never something that I saw growing up. Mm. There there was a, you know, a monolith, there was a monolith of what beauty was and now there isn't, or it's changing. And that is so important. And it's really, really pleasant to see, honestly. So it is changing. That's great news, right? Everything continue to change, you know, issues. So, you know, fat phobia, there's so many that have to do with a body. I mean, even, you know, we're still fighting to have, (laughs) we're still fighting to control our right to, you know, have abortions, (laughs) what we want to do with our own bodies. And that's government. So there are fights to be had, but I see things going in a good direction. Listening to you, what I think is control. That's what is happening. It's all about forcing and trying to manipulate and control women in the way we express ourselves, right? That's what it is. I'm married and I see that in my husband, but it's not a direct thing. He has been influenced too by all this in a way that he doesn't even know what he's doing when he's asking me to have my hair in such a way or whatever he asked me to do. I notice that he's not aware of these things. So do you believe that we can also try to make men around us more aware, even adults, can they still change? Like my husband, it's 62. So I don't know how much he can change though, but I'm trying to, um, without trying too hard. (laughs) I think there's hope, you know, I actually, I, you know, think of my father when I think of you saying that, you know, my dad is 61. um, And I, you know, he, he likes me to look a certain way, I think, on, on the general. Um, but, and, and my mother too, you know, so I I do feel like he has changed though, yeah. but only, you know, incrementally for sure, yeah. but only because he saw that what he was doing was hurting me. Right. And I think that mm-hmm. if the person in your life is somebody who truly loves you, they won't ever, ever do something that they know is hurting you mm-hmm. or is going to impact you in a negative way. Sure. And I think that this isn't, you know, this is kind of goes back to the boundary talk that we just had that yeah. the way to do that is, you know, if my dad says, you know, this is a, a silly example, but if it's like, I, you know, you're, you need to paint your nails or something like yeah. that, yeah. you know, and I might say, Hey dad, like I'm actually working and painting and getting my nails done. Doesn't really make any sense, but um, I don't really need you to tell me that. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it is, <laughs> I'm like, that might not be so graceful, but um, <laughs> kind of like placing it down and saying that like, thank you for your feedback, but this is how I feel. And, you know, I, I appreciate you. <laughs> Just yeah. it's kind of ending with, I appreciate you no matter what. Right. Um, but if there's something that, you know, of course, painting your nails is not something that's going to be hurtful, uh, at least for me, it's not. Hi. But um, if there really is something that hurts my feelings and I say that and I show the emotion, I think that that is also key is don't try and cover it with humor. If it really impacts you, don't try and cover it with humor yeah. or a joke, which I am prone to do. Um, and my yeah. family is prone to do as well. Yeah. Really say that this 
this bothered me and this is why. In the future, can you do this instead of that? Because then we'll, we won't have an issue or I won't be hurt. And the answer is always going to be yes. And I think that if you come to somebody who's not necessarily used to seeing the emotion or seeing a boundary be set, they're much more likely to be somewhat shocked by that, by someone yeah. coming in that way. True. That it will impact them so much more. Just being truthful again, standing for what we believe in, what matters to us and being vulnerable enough to and kind enough to say how we feel and what we want. And I think that, you know, it's also just about being truthful, you know, as you said, to yourself and that idea of not being somebody else's version of perfect. Because right. if, you're do, if you know you're wearing your hair the way that you maybe your husband wants to, uh, you to wear your hair, then um, you're being his version. And that's not good for you or your growth. And there's no point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no point. Exactly. There's so much that we could talk about on this. I could oh, go on, right. yeah, <laughs> giving you other examples. But the general message and the, the very powerful message is be yourself, be true to yourself, just be brave enough to stand for the things that are hurting you, basically. That's self love. So it goes back to that. Thank you, Alex, because you are communicating not just with my audience, but myself too. <laughs> Those boundaries, I have to be better at it. So we're almost at the end, but I want to mention some of the illustrations, the paintings that really caught my attention. I love the A Woman's Place. That's... Well, yeah. Oh, if you want to talk to me about the inspiration for that, that'll be amazing because that's a beautiful painting. Um, I actually made that piece during the election over the ramp up to the election this year. So that was kind of when I was a little bit in a political space, doing a lot of political illustrations. But I think that's something, you know, and, and I also was working with um, female-run organizations trying to get the female vote um, for the Biden Paris ticket. And I devoted a lot of time to that. And so I was focusing really on women and uh, female power and the idea that we are not, we're not what you are, you tell us to be, you know, we're not, you know, our place is not in the kitchen. Our place is not, you know, doing laundry. That's not our place. Our place is, you know, what they say, you know, in the resistance, our place is here fighting for what's right, fighting for a better world. And that's what a woman's place is. The women that I have in my life, the women that I talk to here, which is part of my life too, I see how beautiful they are, all about making this place a more peaceful place, more loving, yeah. peaceful reality. That's what women, not saying that men are not, because I interview a lot of men too, they're yes. all about that. But more often than not, they're in touch with their feminine side <laughs> when they're into these things, which is yeah. interesting to see. Yeah, I think that, you know, in our society, there are kind of like these personalities traits that get um, pushed towards each gender, like uh, power and hierarchy or, toward, you know, pushed towards men and strength and women are nurturing and caring. But our society undervalues those those characteristics, not only in a social construct, but also in a monetary construct. Like pe what people who have those types of occupations are paid less than people with male attributes. And I think that yeah. that's the idea is that, you know, women need to come together to make it not only a more equal place, but actually a more feminine place <laughs> because yes. women want to take care, to nurture, to mother, to, to, to love. Women want, I mean, you know, I, I don't, love generalizing. So I want to take, you know, everyone take this with a grain of salt, but you know, women 
are caring and they want to love and make things better and they're not fighting um, in general for power um, and dominance. Uh, we just want our children to live in a better place. I talk to a lot of women who believe and have this vision that one of these days we'll see that happening, this shift. It. We have our first female vice president and that right. is a you know, right. um, yeah. you know, government's getting more equal, yeah. but you know, there's a lot of work to be done, but I have complete hope that it will be, you know, there are so many incredible like titans, female titans right now that are out there trying to make things better and yeah. it'll happen. Their voice, yeah, it helps as a reminder for all of us not to lose hope. No, definitely not. So we're almost at the end, Alex. Before I ask you my final questions, would you like to add anything? Oh, no, it was just lovely talking to you and taking an hour out of my day to talk about emotions. (laughs) (laughs) So therapeutic and lovely. (laughs) I love your presence. I love your wisdom. I love your art. I love everything about you and how genuine and natural you are, too. (laughs) It's always nice to make me friends. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. What is another word for healing? Oh, growth. That's what I think. I, I think I kind of center my life around evol- evolving and always working to become the next version of you, the, you know, the better version of you. Um, and that is a process that, you know, as we said, that has no end. And so I think that we're always healing. We're always growing. Um, but it's important to be aware and I would say intentioned about it. Yeah. And celebrating even the smallest growth step that we make? Because I notice that we don't do that as often. Like we grow every day, like I see myself, but we don't stop to celebrate those steps that we have. No, because they're not valued. You know, it's not like, oh, it's not a promotion. Right. <laughs> don't right. celebrate it. <laughs> right, right. But it is a promotion and that's the point. <laughs> it's something to be celebrated. Each step we take toward the growth that you speak of, a better creating this better space within for ourselves of inner peace that I believe in and passing that on. To me, that's a beautiful thing to just um, to nurture every day, to do that moment by moment. And I noticed that I don't do that. So I guess uh, you reminded me of that just now to do well, that. You reminded me too. I, it's hard, you know, it's hard to keep everything in mind all the time when you're going through work, but, yeah. you know, taking a moment every day to kind of recenter yourself and saying, oh, you know, I, I'm on this journey of growth is important. Yeah. In my last question to you, Alex, is what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? You can't plan anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you can try, but yeah. good luck with that. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me think. Three things. So yeah, don't plan um, or plan, but don't expect anything. You know, really all we have is the moment. Right. I think that probably goes with the planning hand in hand, um, that living in the moment and being mindful about experience and um, the actual experience of living and not getting caught in the past or the present, but enjoying the, few, the, the, the moment is what life is and what ex- really truly experiencing life is. And then third, oh, I mean, life without creativity is, to me empty, meaningless. Um, art is 
the thing that makes us innately human. It makes us a thing. It is a thing that allows us to connect and empathize with others, feel others, understand others. And um, without art, I think humans would be nothing. <laughs> to put it mm. bluntly, I think humans would be nothing without the addition of the arts. So I would say that arts, you know, are, are fundamental to being alive and being human. I love that. And what comes to mind when you say that is that just by responding to that natural being, that energy within ourselves that we know to be true, that's what it is. That becomes what you call creativity, art, just being yeah. you and in essence, right? In essence. Yeah, it's expressing your soul. And that yeah. is... Yeah. And it's so powerful because it's something that, um, you know, truly strips you away from your, your, you know, like your corporeal reality, you know, the idea yeah. of actually inhabiting a body right. and to be able to access mm-hmm. the intrinsic parts of your soul are incredible and so transformative if you allow it to be. So thank you for doing that, allowing and being open to that essence, to that beautiful, magical energy to flow. That's what's happening. It's beautiful, incredibly beautiful. So before we say goodbye, Alex, I wanted to thank you again for this genuine and natural conversation, the wisdom, your wisdom, the work you do attempting to help others, but coming from a place of helping yourself first and being yourself, which is very, very empowering. And everything in between that could be felt today. (laughs) Thank you so much. Before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your artwork and services, future projects? Yes. So you can follow me on Instagram at underscore Alex Rudin, um, A-L-E-X-R-U-D-I-N. Or you can go to my portfolio page, um, which is alexrudin.com. Or my shop, which is rudinstudios.com. And all of these are linked on my Instagram. So that's pretty much the place you want to go. If anybody wants to contact me about projects or anything like that, feel free to email me. My email address is linked to my Instagram as well. Um, And in terms of upcoming stuff, I'm actually working on some really amazing projects. Um, one of which is a collaboration with the Representation Project, which is um, an organization that deals with gender disparities and, and social constructs around, you know, women and men. And also, um, they, so they make films, uh, educational films that are really incredible. Um, so I'm working with them to relaunch their merchandise site to get some really amazing merch. You can check back, you know, probably within a month, we'll have some of that up. And then I'm also working on an educational series about aesthetic force and diversity, equity, and inclusion To that is going to live in school. So it's an educational project. And there's also a program that goes along with it that I would go to the schools and um, do this program with them and help them develop social justice artwork. So if there are any teachers out there who are interested, please reach out to me. Um, and then I am I also have a show coming up at Jersey City City Hall. It's like a 30-piece show and the opening uh, event, which is actually uh, a whole a whole shebang, is a big event. Um, it's actually, you know, uh, incorporates local charities from Jersey City and vendors. And we're going to have this big event outside in the courtyard of Jersey City City Hall for the show. And that is going to be on sept- uh, September 11th. Yeah, somewhere at night. So if people follow me on Instagram, there'll be tons of updates for all of these types of things coming forward. So lots of stuff in the works. 
lots to follow on, follow up on. Um, and I hope that you guys will, you know, drop in on my Instagram and check out what I do. Wonderful. I'll have the links on your podcast profile too. Thank you so much again, Alex. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Alex Rudin and her work, please visit rudinstudios.com and alexrudin.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.